Thank you, choir, for that song. It's a beautiful song and reminder of the solid rock of Jesus Christ that we stand on and that we are accepted uh, before God because of Him. And so uh, we come to worship Him and to sing praises to Him and to hear His Word proclaimed for that very reason. Uh, I was reminded, Debbie reminded me while she was, as we were uh, ending up here, that uh, of that Ray Stevens song, the Mississippi Squirrel Revival. And I guess we're going to have an Alabama Wasp Revival today. Um, and y'all didn't see it. I don't know if anybody saw it, but it one lighted on Seth, and he about became Pentecostal uh, there. Uh, he held it together pretty well, but uh, not... Uh, if one lands on me, I'm telling you, y'all going to have to kick me out of the church for being too Pentecostal on it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as we begin today, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we have to study your word. Lord, we thank you for your word that reminds us of the hope that is in Jesus Christ alone and the fact that he, uh, through faith in him, we have peace with God and we have hope in suffering and we are uh, completely and totally forgiven through his blood. And so, Lord, we come asking that you would give us understanding, that you would give us uh, encouragement through your word, and that we would leave this place ready to serve you because we have a right relationship with you through him. Pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So in our study so far in the book of Romans, Paul has been working out this other way of righteousness. And remember, for the first three chapters of the book of Romans, Paul establishes all the ways that the wrath of God is revealed against mankind. That mankind is by his own sinfulness and by the, the consequences of that sin, uh, he is suffering the judgment of God and the wrath of God on this world. And, and that there is no way that we can be acceptable before God. He has proven that whether we are like the pagans, we are uh, living in darkness, unable to see the truth of the light, and whether we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie, or whether we're like the Jews and we live in self-righteous morality and, and we seek to live a perfect life before God, in either case, we cannot be acceptable before God through a works righteousness, through a means of being good enough or knowing enough or having our doctrine perfect enough or whatever the case may be. But Paul has been telling us so far from chapter 3 on to this point as we begin chapter 5 that there is another way of righteousness. There is a way of righteousness which God has established from the very beginning that is apart from works. It is not a way that is gained through good works, but a righteousness based on God's grace that is received by faith. And so now Paul actually takes a turn in his letter to the Romans and he begins to work out Already we've seen the nature of faith. He begins starting in chapter 5 and all the way through chapter 8 to work out the results of faith. If we have faith in Jesus Christ, what does that mean for us? What are the results of that faith in Jesus Christ? And there's a very hard and real question that we have to ask to start with. Because honestly, Works righteousness feels comfortable to us. Works righteousness kind of feels 
natural to us. Like we think, you know, if we're going to be acceptable to someone, then we need to do what that person tells us to do. And we need to live by that person's rules. You know, if you're going to be acceptable in your father's house, what does your father always tell you if you've got a little rebellious? If you're going to live under my roof, you're going to follow what? My rules, right? And we, we understand that. That works for us humans. But it doesn't work with God. Because we can't, like a child with a father, we can't be perfectly obedient to His rules. And so we can't be accepted under those terms. And so the question is, if a person decides and turns to faith in Christ and he puts all of his marbles in the basket of Jesus Christ. He says, you know, I'm going to give up my hope of earning my favor with God. I'm going to give up my hope of working my salvation out with God. I'm going to give up my ability to do anything for my salvation and earn my way to heaven. And I'm going to place all my hope in Jesus Christ. I'm going to rest it completely in who He is and in what He's done. I don't know if you realize that, but that's a big risk. Because we're giving up control. We're giving up the authority that we think we have to earn our way to heaven. We're giving it all up and placing our hope and our faith in what Jesus has done. And the question that Paul wants to ask and answer today is, is that enough? Have we made a mistake by saying, look, I can't be good enough, so I'm going to put all my faith in Christ? Do we risk getting to the end of our life, standing before the pearly gates, and hearing God say, well, I'm sorry, but that wasn't good enough? Do we risk placing our faith in something or someone who isn't enough. And, you know, the Roman Catholics, for one, say, yes, you do risk that. And the Roman Catholics say, you know, look, it's good to place your faith in Christ. In fact, you should place your faith in Christ. And when you do, God infuses into you righteousness. But then it's up to you to keep it. And once you have the righteousness of Christ... You have to do the sacraments and you have to do good works and you have to uh, ensure that you don't commit any mortal sins or you risk purgatory at the least and hell at the worst. The Church of Christ have a very similar belief that God gets you in the door through Jesus Christ, but it's your job to walk the rest of the way into your salvation, and that you risk at any moment of any day losing your salvation because you weren't good enough, because you didn't live a truly righteous life, and you didn't prove that you were saved through your works righteousness. That this belief, a lot of people have the belief that faith in Christ gives you an initial cleansing. It's like taking a bath. But then you have to come back and keep cleaning yourself up. But when Paul gives his answer here in Romans chapter 5, he gives a very 
different answer from all of that. So let's look at Paul's answer in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. God's word says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So in this text, I want you to see two points this morning. First, I want you to see that faith results in rest. And second, faith results in reconciliation. So let's start by seeing in verses 1 through 5 that faith results in rest. So Paul begins this passage with a powerful statement in verse 1. He says, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you need to underline that verse and I would say you need to memorize this. This is one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. It's up there, in my opinion, with John 3.16. And it is jam-packed full of meaning, and I hope to get to some of that meaning this morning. First of all, Paul says that through faith we have been justified. Now, you should, if you underline the verse, you should double underline that word because that word is significant in the Bible and it is very significant in the book of Romans. Paul has already used this word numerous times and most importantly, he used it in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, where he says, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. So by the works of the law, by doing good works, by being a moral person, no person in this world has ever been and will ever be justified. But now Paul uses that same word to say that we are justified, but we aren't justified by works. We are justified by faith. So the Greek word for justified is the word dikaio, D-I-K-A-I-A-O, which means to declare righteous. And I've said this a bunch of times already, and I'll say over the next 49 years, I'll use this analogy time and again, so you just get used to it. But this word is a legal term, and it means uh, that it's as though a judge is standing over you. And you are guilty. The prosecution has made his case. 
He rests. He is done. He's Like I've said before, he's ready to go to lunch. He's done with the case and he's argued it to uh, perfection that you are guilty. And the judge stands over you and lowers the gavel and declares not guilty. Now we have a, we have a pre- precedent in our legal system called double jeopardy. So that when you're tried and if you're declared not guilty, no one can ever bring that same charge against you. It doesn't matter if later on, actually, there's more evidence that proves that you did it. In our legal system, if you are tried and proven not guilty of a crime, you are not guilty of that crime from now on. And in a similar way, God stands over you in the work of Jesus Christ and He declares not guilty because of the work of my Son. And so faith justifies us. It declares us righteous through the work of Jesus Christ. Now this verdict of God that we receive through faith leads to a very important consequence. Notice, Paul says that through faith, we have peace with God. So remember, for the first three chapters of Romans, Paul has established all the ways that God's wrath is revealed against mankind. It is not that God is removed from His creation and is just ignoring everything terrible that's going on in this world. And it's not that God is up in heaven wringing His hands saying, boy, I wish my creation would just live good, look good, righteous lives. No, God is vengefully angry towards the sins that we commit and He is working out His justice right now in the consequences of those sins in this fallen world. Yet when we turn to Him in faith, because of what Christ has done on the cross, God rests from His wrath and we have peace with Him. We are no longer enemies of God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. We are no longer uh, slaves of sin, but we are now children of righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. There are two ways that Paul gives that we know this peace of God right now in our lives as Christians. First, in verse 2, Paul says that we have obtained access by faith into His grace in which we stand. So a direct result of our justification is access to the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 says, For through Him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So because of our faith in Christ, we have direct access to our heavenly Father. This means a number of things that we find throughout the New Testament. First, it means that when we pray... God hears us. If you are outside of Christ, it is not as though God can't hear you. He hears all things. He sees all things. He knows all things. It's that He doesn't hear you. He doesn't want to hear you. He doesn't choose to hear you. But when you are in Christ, by faith, you have access to God, so God hears your prayers. Not only that, but He showers His grace on us. He readily forgives us of our sins. He gives us strength to endure uh, when we are weak. He enables us to love and forgive others. 
And he gifts us with talents and gifts to bless this church and the world. Second, the second uh, benefit or consequence of peace with God is in verses 3 and 5. Paul says that our justification gives us the power to rejoice in suffering. So there's a harsh reality to life, and that is that everyone will suffer. Doesn't matter how wealthy you are, doesn't matter how powerful you are, doesn't matter what place you come from in this life, everyone will suffer. Everyone experiences loss. Everyone faces disease. Everyone has broken relationships. For those who do not know or have no faith in Christ, the suffering of this life is meaningless and destructive. But for the believer, suffering actually means something. So Paul says that we can rejoice in our sufferings because it brings something good in us. Notice he says, first, faith or or, uh, suffering causes endurance. So suffering causes the believer to rely less on himself or herself and more on Christ. Suffering for those who have faith in Christ is a way that we come to rely more and more on Jesus Christ. Second, Suffering not only causes endurance, but it produces character. So in our sufferings, we are made to be more like Jesus. God uses our sufferings to make us into the image of his son. And then finally, suffering produces hope. Because suffering shapes us, it also causes us to hope for the day that we will see God face to face and all things will be made new. You know, for the unbeliever, suffering just contributes to his rebellion against God. It just encourages him to hate God all the more. But for the believer, it reminds us that we can't do it. We can't overcome death. We can't overcome the pain of this world. And we need someone outside of us to make things right. And so a direct consequence of faith and the peace that we have with God is the trust and the belief that our suffering means something and that it produces something in us. So next, from verses 6 through 11, we see that faith results in reconciliation. So here, Paul wants us to understand the depths to which God was willing to go to save us. And this gets to the answer to the question of what if we give up everything for Jesus? What if we put all our marbles in the basket of Jesus's work on the cross and then we get to heaven and it turns out we should have been a little bit better? What happens if we put all of our faith in Christ? Does it mean that we have, we can relax and trust that we are totally forgiven. So Paul answers that question in verses 6 through 11 by explaining how far God went to save us. In verse 6, he declares that while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
So Paul, in this statement, places an emphasis on the timeliness of Jesus' death. Notice, he died for us while we were weak. In other words, we had nothing to contribute. We were weak. We were incapable. The, weak, the word weak there means impotent or, or inable, uh, incapable or unable to do anything. As Jonathan Edwards said, the only thing that we contribute to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary. So Paul wants that reality to sink in. So he points out that hardly anyone would be willing to die for a righteous man. And we, we get that statement, right? Uh, I mean, I think when we think about saving someone's life, we think about it in terms of Captain Miller from the, from the movie Saving Private Ryan. You remember that movie? In that movie, uh, Captain Miller and his company are sent into German-occupied France right after D-Day to go and to seek out a young man named uh, Private Jason Ryan to rescue him because he was the only person left, only male, left in his family. And so they're sent into German-occupied France to find Private, Private Ryan and to bring him out. And there's a lot of character development and all that in that movie because they, all of his men and his company don't understand why they are doing this, that they're having to die for their country. Why is Private Ryan any different? Well, the culmination of that whole movie is they, rest, they find Private Ryan and they're trying to get him out and they end up in this great battle with the Germans and right at the end of the battle, in the pitch of the battle, Captain Miller is trying to destroy a tank and he gets shot. And as, the, as his men are winning the battle, Captain Miller is laying there bleeding out. And Private Ryan comes over to comfort Captain Miller as he dies. And Captain Miller pulls Private Ryan forward and he whispers to him, earn this. And then the movie ends with an elderly Private Ryan standing over the, or kneeling over the tombstone of Captain Miller, just crying his eyes out. And he says, I hope that I have lived in such a way that I would have earned what you gave for me. And I think when we think of saving someone's life, we think of it like Captain Miller. We hope that that person, we would like to think that that person would go on to earn it. He would go on to deserve the, the, the sacrifice that we had made. But that isn't what God did at all. Jesus didn't come to die for righteous men. He didn't come to die for people who would earn it. He didn't even come, as Paul says, to die for a somewhat good man. No, instead, Paul says in verse 8, God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The result of the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ is our reconciliation. So in verse 10, Paul says that the death and resurrection of Jesus has reconciled us to God. His death paid the full penalty for your sin. And His resurrection brings us 
to God so that we now have access to His grace. So there is nothing else that you can add to your salvation. There is no earning this with Jesus. Jesus has already earned it for you. Therefore, because we have been justified through faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. It is not as though that that statement there is not conditional on us. It is not conditional on anything that we would do after what Jesus has done. We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ, period. Nothing else to do. So friend, peace with God won't come through doing better. It won't come from better discipline or more meditation or greater commitment. It can only come through faith in Jesus Christ. Won't you trust in Jesus Christ today and be justified before God and have peace with Him through what He has done? Brothers and sisters, we cannot add one drop to our salvation. Jesus in His death and His resurrection has accomplished everything for our salvation. He didn't get us in the door and now we have to make it the rest of the way. He didn't infuse us with His righteousness and then we've got to use it or lose it. No, He has made peace between God and man. And this means that we have the blessing of His grace. It also means that we can suffer with hope, knowing that everything we endure is from the hand of a loving God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the grace of God in Jesus Christ. That it is by His work and His reconciliation that we are justified before You. It is not because we have somehow earned it or that we have done good works beyond what He has done to add to it. It is purely by what He has done through His death and resurrection that we have peace with You. Father, help us to trust You all the more as we seek to live faithfully in this world. Help us to see our suffering not as random acts of chaos uh, against uh, a life that is meaningless, but as uh, purposeful uh, opportunities to be made into Your image. Father, I pray that you would bless us now as we respond to you in faith. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.